Hello from Edel Village in the Peak District. This podcast is about the adventure. I am your host, Sarah Lister. My guest, Anna Cage, is a freelance communications consultant and media trainer, book reviewer, podcaster, and fiction writer. I asked Anna what made her decide to start her own business, why she thinks that some people find it challenging to promote their own work, and where she goes for creative inspiration. At the end of the show, Anna has a really great question for you to take away and think about. Anna, thank you so much for joining me on my show today. So let's get stuck into some questions. My first one for you, after 17 years of working in communications, what made you decide to start your own business? Oh, wow. Okay. So I guess the first thing to say in, in response to that question is if I'm, if I'm completely honest, though, I don't think there was ever a, a sort of moment of decision. I think it's an idea that's been percolating away in the back of my mind for a really long time in various forms. And um, so as you say, I've worked in um, comms and marketing for a long time um and had a really successful career that i really enjoyed it wasn't it wasn't a case of wanting to get out of that career um but as well as that i am a fiction writer i absolutely love that world i was um increasingly spending more and more time in that world taking my own writing more seriously um going on writing retreats meeting a lot more of my fellow writers and this idea just wouldn't go away that I wanted to find a way to combine um, the professional expertise and experience that I've got with this field of creativity and creative writing that I enjoy being in so much. Um, so yeah, it was really it was really about trying to find a way to combine the things that I'm good at and the expertise I have with the thing that I love um, and that I want to really spend my time doing. So yeah, it wasn't really a decision as such. It was it was kind of a gradual a gradual process of thinking about how I might be able to combine these things. Um, and eventually hitting on this idea of training. So my business is um, training creative people, so authors, but um, creatives in any discipline, to do their own um, branding, marketing, promotional activity. Um, I do media training. And once I'd hit on that idea that it was really going to be about training people to do these things for themselves, empowering people to do these things for themselves. Um, that was when I realized I really wanted to, to start a business doing that and, and try and see if I could make it happen. I remember very fondly, um, sitting with you in our mutual friend's car. <laughs> um, just very oh, on the way to Scarbins. Yes, yeah, we went to Scarbins yeah. bookshop, didn't we? Yes. Um, <laughs> on the way when we were uh, waiting for my train um, in the car park, and we sat there and we were just—I think it was raining, so we were just sheltering from the rain before I got out. And I remember that we were just all really excited about your ideas. <laughs> We were just sort of nudging you to <laughs> to do it because you know we knew that there was 
a real um, need for it, you know, yeah. for people to be celebrating and promoting their their work that, you know, that we so much enjoy at the other end of it. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I do have some lovely friends who are very, <laughs> who are very encouraging and really, I'm the sort of person who has about 10 ideas a day of the things <laughs> that I want to do. So having really good friends that help me sift um sift through them and find the ones that might actually be viable is is definitely valuable <laughs> yeah and i love the energy that you've put into it you know since since that time and obviously you were already doing that before we met um yeah just the yeah just all of the energy that you've then gone and put into it and the way it's really it really seems to have taken off it's just it's really exciting oh um, thank you thank you sarah so I'm interested in what steps um, were, have you been taking to move from full-time employment towards doing freelance work? Okay. Um, well, I guess the first thing to say, again, in the interest of being completely honest, is it's a very long time since I worked full-time. Um, well, that's not strictly, it's a very long time since I worked full time in one job. <laughs> I think if you combined all the different jobs that I've been doing over the years, it's, it's probably been more than full time quite a lot of the time. But um, so up until about two months ago, I was um, the head of comms for Sheffield City Council. So a really big job. Um, but I, I'm actually really passionate about the fact that you don't need to work full time to do a big job. I think um, a head of comms job is a job that a lot of people would say, well, you, you know, you really need to work full time to do that. I don't agree at all. I think um, particularly the way I like to um, lead and manage teams is to empower the people that work for me and I don't need to be there all the time. Um, it's just about working smarter and empowering the people that you work with um, to be able to, to um, make decisions and function really well without you and then just make sure that the time you do spend at work is you're focusing on um, the things you really need to be focusing on. So that's the, the first thing to say is it's it's a long time since I worked full time in one job. Um, and I think that's because I've always had these um, sort of separate lives in a way, as I was saying, you know, the, the sort of comms and marketing life and then the writing life and um you know, I, I teach for the University of Sheffield. Um, I wrote the book pages for the Sheffield Telegraph for a while. Um, there's always been a lot of different things that I've been doing and it's been really important to me to have that space to be able to um, action these, these projects, as I say, all these ideas that I have all the time. Um, but in terms of getting to a place where I could um, hand in my notice with my, you know, my big sensible job, um, it was quite a gradual process really so had the idea um thought i mean it was it was november last year i think which i don't know if that's about the time we had our trip to scarlands i'm not sure it probably was about that time um and that's when i'd really hit on okay training is what i want to do i don't want to i these ideas had been percolating as i say for a long time do i want to do pr and marketing for authors and creatives and like you know that didn't feel quite right and um i had this amazing week 
last November where I went on a writing retreat to um, a beautiful place called Teenewith in North Wales, um, where I was taught by two fantastic crime writers, Claire McIntosh and Catherine Stansfield. And we went swimming in the sea every morning in Wales in November. <laughs> and um, it was just one of these um, those amazing weeks where you, you're away for a week, but you feel like you've really pressed pause on your life um, and really had the opportunity to reevaluate what you're doing and, and what it's all about. And it was just um, drinking wine in the evening on that retreat where we really hit on the idea of, of training, um, media training, but also more general training um, for, for authors and creatives. So Claire McIntosh is a fantastically successful crime author um, and she was saying that she hadn't had any media training until I think it was her fourth book um, you know and has obviously done a huge amount of promotion um, for those books and we sort of talked about this gap in the market and, and whether I could fill it and so that was really when the idea sort of crystallized and, and I decided I wanted to try and make it happen and again it's not it's not very exciting but but really what i did from that moment on was just save as much money as i could um just stopped spending any unnecessary money that meant that we could then have a nice buffer that meant once i'd left my job um and didn't have that reliable income coming in every month that um it was okay if if I could you know if I tried things and they didn't work it wasn't going to be the end of the world we weren't going to be worrying about paying our mortgage we've got two children so you know we need to be able to keep a roof over their heads and and buy food and all that stuff um so it was really just make sure that we were in a position financially that it wasn't foolish um I sent out three emails to um just contacts that I've made over the years that I thought might potentially be interested in commissioning that sort of training and those sort of workshops and got three emails back saying, yes, please, we'd like to commission it. Fantastic. Um, I know, which was awesome and felt wonderful, um, but also a little bit scary because at that time I was still doing the head of comms job um, and the thing about when people say yes is then you've got to do it. <laughs> so that was all a bit of a crazy time of, of trying to fit a lot of different things in. And yeah, I think it was when I got the third of those emails back saying, yes, please. I thought, right, the time has come. Um, I need to have my notice in. Um, and was on a, a very long notice period. So it was on three months notice. And during that three months um, was when COVID hit. So a big job went from a massive job. Um, it was all a little bit overwhelming for a while there, if I'm honest. Um, but then in May, um, I reached the end of my notice period and, and completely left my job um, with Sheffield Council. And, and since then, I've been able to focus a lot more on the business. Excellent. Thank you. And how did you imagine it would be to start your own business and how close is that to your experience so far? Oh God, I don't know. I never, it's, I don't know. You've got kind of this one, well, maybe you haven't. I, there's a slightly cringy um, 
kind of associations with being an entrepreneur or something it's probably based on watching um the apprentice to be honest <laughs> and i i never you know i'm not a very materialistic person it's not about making loads of money for me um it really was about trying to um as I say, find a way to combine my professional expertise with, with the world that I love being in. So I honestly don't really know what expectations I had. I also think the, the whole world is so strange at the moment and the whole kind of context that I've done this in has been absolutely extraordinary. So obviously I've had to focus a lot on delivering online courses, which was always going to be a big um, part of what I wanted to do but it's had to be almost entirely what I do um, so I guess in the context of, of Covid and everything that's happening in the world at the moment I think all expectations are, are a bit out of the window aren't they? Absolutely. I, I remember um, when I was in full-time employment in when I used to live in London I really imagined my life um, as an entrepreneur or as a freelancer to be really busy and to be very city based and uh, working in cafes and moving <laughs> about all the time and actually my experience well it's, it's always changing but I seem to be less and less busy as such so I'm doing work but I'm not flitting between places and obviously yeah. the last months I have just been in Edale I don't think I've actually left um, Edale since March apart from to just go for walks um so yeah I think actually that association with being really busy and meeting people all the time isn't quite so attractive now as it yeah. was maybe three or four years ago <laughs> yeah yeah that's definitely true um I think I've just it feels really you know, it just feels like I, I, at the moment I'm taking every day as it comes and um, it's going really well. Um, it's going amazingly well. Um, people seem to really be responding positively to what I'm doing. But at the same time, it's such an extraordinary time and the future is so uncertain just in terms of the context we're working in and what we're going to be able to do and when we're going to be able to do it. I honestly feel like I'm just taking it a day at a time at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I, th I mean, I personally think that that's a really good approach to take because it just me, I think it just means that you're really present with what you're doing. Mm. And yeah. And it's sort of open. It's, I think that means that you're kind of open to doing different things and um, being able to sort of think on your feet and that kind of thing. I think yeah. it's a real positive. I know that, a lot of people sort of look to the future and maybe plan five years ahead and I'm not saying that isn't important or that it doesn't work but I think actually being here and now um is really important as well yeah absolutely and I think the whole move to doing so much of of what we do digitally um has actually helped with that I think it's easier to be faster and more agile and more responsive to changing circumstances when you're doing a lot of your work online um, I think when you're delivering things in person just in terms of logistics um, there can there needs to be longer lead-in times a lot of the time um, so so yeah it's it's been a massive challenge um, but I feel like everything has changed so much 
in the last few months for me anyway um that yeah it's just kind of another thing that you have to wake up every day and think right how am I how am I going to do this how is this going to work and that's just how it's been yeah yeah I love that I love you know to hear how you're rolling with it and um I was I was initially kind of waiting to go back to the podcast studio in Sheffield for example yeah and it's, it's taken me a long time to come around to the idea of doing it online yeah um, but here I am and it's like you know, <laughs> I, that I would do it I thought I would just wait it out but I had that burning desire in me to start these conversations again and with pub starting to actually publish the episodes I've got this yeah. excitement to feel like I don't want to wait anymore <laughs> and I think almost as well it's it's that's really interesting because it gives you permission to try things and I think in some ways expectations are lower because circumstances are so extraordinary it almost gives you you can you can try things out and if they don't work then that's okay because we're all just trying uh, we're trying new things and we're trying to find a way of working that is effective in these extraordinary circumstances. So I don't know, in some ways, maybe it gives us more permission to be innovative and try different things and, and do things in different ways. Um, yeah, I agree, because I think um, some, of, some of the time I was always wanting everything to be perfect. I was putting mm. off launching my podcast until I felt like it was perfect you know whatever that actually meant to me yeah. it was more of an excuse really yeah oh, well I need to get this and that and a better microphone and it needs to all be absolutely perfect it's like well actually no because we can just you know do the I can just do the best that I can with what I have absolutely. and improve absolutely. things as I go and learn from the experiences um so yeah we've talked to this you've mentioned a, a couple of maybe the challenges or like the things that you've planned um before leaving your job yeah are there any other big challenges that you've come across that you really didn't expect um i guess it's it sounds ridiculous but probably i and this is literally in the last few weeks i've come to this realization that there's only 24 hours in the day which sounds absolutely ludicrous that I'm only just getting my head around that now. I think I said earlier, I, I have loads of ideas. So every day, nearly, I'll think of things that I want to do with the business and, and projects that I want to pursue or get off the ground. And, um, and I think, you know, maybe half of them are, are good ideas and, and viable and things that could actually work really well where I to put the time and resource into making them happen and I think I'm only just <laughs> starting to realize that that doesn't mean I have to do them all um, because there are only so many hours in the day um, I, I want to I want to do um, a certain number of things with the business and I want to do them very well um, I want to make sure I provide really good value for money um, for my clients. I also am really serious about pursuing my own fiction writing and I need to give that time. Um, I've got a family, I've got two children and they, you know, should probably see me occasionally. <laughs> um, so it's just realizing that, yes, you can have a lot of good ideas yes they may be viable and they may be um things that would be really beneficial to pursue in my business 
that doesn't mean I've got to do them all. Um, so I guess in terms of challenges, it's learning how to um, just slow it down a little bit and prioritize and think a bit more strategically, um, which is ironic because this is exactly what I teach people and train people to do. So a lot of, um, a lot of this is about um, learning to practice what I preach really in terms of, okay, what are my objectives? What is it that I really want to achieve here? Um, and let's just focus on the things that are going to get me there rather than feeling like I need to action every single one of my ideas. Where does your interest in communications stem from? Um, as a career, it's, it's something that I fell into. Um, so I, um, I wasn't somebody who was really, really focused on, on what I wanted to, um, do for a career. I, what I really wanted to, to, to be was a writer. Um, I wanted to write stories and I wanted to write books, but I wasn't, I know some people do that successfully in their twenties, but I, I wasn't somebody that, um, had the, the necessary skills to make that happen in my twenties. So, um, I was somebody that, that dust around a bit, to be honest. Um, I, after I graduated, I studied English. Then I went to live in Italy, um, and worked as a teacher for a while, just because I loved Italy and wanted to learn to speak Italian properly. Um, I then, um, still didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I went and worked for Eurocamp in France. Um, living in a tent in a field for a while. So I certainly wasn't focused in terms of pursuing a career in, in my sort of early twenties. Um, and then I, I came back, um, to the UK and lived in Bristol and started to apply for proper jobs, sensible jobs, um, and got offered two jobs in a week. And I remember one of them was working for a building society and that job was 15,000 pounds a year. <laughs> and the other job was working for a children's hospices charity. And that was 12,000 pounds a year. Um, and I just remember sort of sitting down and thinking, right, which of these jobs am I going to take? And thinking, I, I feel like I'm at the point where I might want to be vaguely sensible about things now. And maybe it's not the best wrong, but I want it to be the right ladder. So I went for the children's hospices charity job. And at that point it's a charity, which is now a really successful charity called together for short lives. Um, but at that point we were the association of children's hospices and there was a chief exec a fundraiser an office manager and me. So I ended up doing a lot of the comms and the media relations in particular. We used to get a lot of media inquiries and really enjoyed it and found that I was good at it. And as the charity grew and um, started to recruit people into an actual comms function, I kind of went up through that route. Um, so yeah, in terms of sort of um, strategic planning my career, that, that really wasn't the case at all. But I found that I enjoyed it. I found that I was good at it. And now really, I think what I love about it is comms is the way that you connect um, a, a creative person's output, whether that be a book, a painting, um, a film, a piece of jewelry, you know, this wonderful 
work that a creative person puts their heart and soul into and comms is the conduit through which you you connect that work to an audience and to people who are going to love it and to people who are going to um, ultimately hopefully provide some kind of financial support to the person that can then can then go on and and continue to to pursue that creative work so for me now it's really about um this really exciting process of connecting creative work with an audience um and and i i love that i really do why do you think that some people find it really challenging to promote their own work yeah i talk to obviously i talk to a lot of creative people about this and um i think essentially it's just it's not only that it's a completely different set of skills um it, it definitely is it's also a completely different outlook and way of rela relating to the world so a lot of the creative process for me and i know for a lot of creative people it's very inward looking it's quite um solitary you don't have a lot of <clears throat> interaction with a lot of other people in some cases you have some but um it, it's quite a introverted process and you really draw on your own um inspiration and and your own kind of thoughts and feelings a lot in 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 the process of creating and then you kind of you have this thing you've you've created this thing and and you want to share it with the world and you want to find an audience and you know you want to find customers people who are going to pay you to do this thing um and it's just a completely different outlook on the world um, and suddenly you have to turn yourself outward and you have to relate to other people and you have to um, talk about what you're doing and, and it's really difficult you know comms and marketing is is what I do but I find it really challenging to talk about my own writing it's it's your heart and soul on a plate isn't it and and then you come to to have to promote it that's really daunting um, I've even spoken to some people who feel like um branding and promoting their work is is almost um sort of compromising their creative integrity in some way that that it just is almost working in opposition to it so um a lot of the techniques that i've developed and a lot of the ways that i work with creative people um the the first piece of work I do with with most of the people I work with not not all by any stretch of the imagination some people just want you know some some really good media training or something like that but, but most people we start with the personal branding um stuff and that I've I've worked really hard on that because what I want that to be all about is finding um an authentic personal brand and we do quite a lot of exploration about what the creative process means for that person what motivates them what inspires them what is it about their work that makes them want to get out of bed in the morning and hopefully by doing that that means that you end up with a, a, a personal brand which feels real and feels authentic and feels like it's all about um, what what your creative work is I want to get away from this idea that um, your creative work is kind of over here and the marketing of your creative work is a completely separate thing. I try and bring those two things together. Um, 
and that seems to help that seems to work really well to help people feel like okay i understand now that um marketing my work is is really a lot of that is just about conveying what this means to me and and what it's all about for me yeah so it's a very sort of personal approach and it sounds like it's about sharing the story behind the work rather than just saying hey I've, I've got this product of some kind absolutely you should buy it because I mean that to me that approach is just so outdated now yes. I know some people still use it but I mean for it me doesn't I, work either that's no, exactly <laughs> I mean people are fed up of it of being told yeah. what they should do mm. what they should buy and it's it's this you know the connection with the stories behind the work that I think exactly exactly bring it yeah. to <laughs> so out of all of the people the sort of creative people that you come into contact with who do you most enjoy working with when you're training oh oh I don't know um so if I'm totally I think for me it's about the diversity of people that I work with um I really I guess I just really like meeting i'm not very good at small talk and superficial conversations and <laughs> kind of you know I, I think what i really love is the fact that my work enables me to have really interesting conversations with people about what really makes them tick um and every time I do a course or I do a workshop or I, um, I do one-to-one -one coaching as well, and, and it's always different and you always have to go into it with a really open mind and think, okay, I'm going to learn about this, this person. I'm going to learn about what this is all about for them. And then we're going to apply some comms and marketing expertise to that. And we're going to think about some strategies and techniques that they can use. So I think what I really enjoy the most is how different and diverse people are and the the huge range of different reasons people have for um, being creative in their lives and it's it's never never knowing quite what um, what stories I'm gonna hear next what people I'm gonna meet next I just I love that it, it you know it it really is what gets me out of bed and makes me want to do this work it's it's kind of thinking, okay, I'm going to learn about um, invariably, well, so far, <laughs> really interesting people who have a really interesting story to tell and feeling like I have some skills that can help them um, achieve what they want to achieve. It's just, it's brilliant. <laughs> it sounds so appealing. How does it compare with how you, what you were like and what you were doing um, when you were in your job? oh wow okay I think it's not that different if I'm honest I think I'm I'm quite a quite a fearless person and I think the reason that I was so successful in my career I'm, I'm not your typical public sector comms person at all although I think that's probably I think actually the idea that people have of what your typical public sector comms person is probably isn't that accurate so I think there are a lot of people who want to be innovative want to um, learn all the time and, and make sure that they're doing new and interesting and exciting work 
Um, so I think I always went into, you know, every day of obviously, inevitably, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot more of doing things that you wouldn't necessarily choose to do um, in, in any paid employment, I think. Um, and yeah, so I think, I think I've, I've almost always had that outlook. I don't think I, I don't think my approach to comms is particularly different since, um, since kind of starting my own business. I think it's always been about stories. It's always been about finding a truth, finding an authenticity in things. Um, I, I really um, get quite cross about this idea that people that work in comms are spin doctors. Um, that's just a load of rubbish and hasn't been the case for, I don't know, at least 30 years, if not more. You know, when I was working as a, as a um, communicator for a local authority, the work we did meant that vulnerable children had um, families to take care of them. You know, we, we found foster families and we found adoptive families for vulnerable children. We um, were responsible for making sure if a woman in Sheffield was, um, or anyone was suffering from domestic abuse that they knew where to turn for help. You know, I think, yeah, I, d I don't think my, my approach has, has necessarily changed fundamentally. So it's more, it sounds like it's more, I mean, probably not consciously, but it sounds like it's more of just an approach to life <laughs> yeah like yeah part of your personality yeah absolutely yeah I think that's right so around all of these new projects that you're up to how do you make time for your other interests such as reading blogging and writing novels <laughs> oh, God, I oh I don't know if I do at the moment is the honest <laughs> answer oh it's just been really hard I think um yeah, and, and as I say, I think it's it's only in the last few weeks that I've I've come to this realization that most people probably have quite early on in their lives that there's only twenty four hours in the day. Um, I, I suppose for reading, I I can't sleep if I haven't read a book, so that's kind of whenever I end up going to bed, I always have to read. Um, so that's always a part of my life, and even if it is only for that sort of half an hour before I go to sleep, that's an absolute necessity for me. So there's always an element of reading. I, I think I'm reading less at the moment because life is so busy. Um, I'm also, um, because I'm writing a book set um, on Orkney at the moment, so a lot of the books that I'm reading, sort of for my own enjoyment, fiction reading, are books set on Orkney as well to learn about the way that other writers have, have written about the islands. So I guess that feels like my reading for pleasure has been a little bit subsumed by my own writing, but that's fine because they're all really wonderful books. Um, in terms of my blogging, I don't think I've uploaded a new book review for well over a month, so I don't think I can claim to be fitting that in right now. Um, I guess it's just about prioritisation, isn't it? And and the beauty of a lot of the things that I do, like the blogging, um, is that it's on my own terms. And if I do go through a period where life is really busy and I really need to spend um a lot of my time doing other things it doesn't actually matter 
if I if I don't write any book reviews for a couple of months I miss it and you know it's definitely something that I sort of is in the back of my mind thinking you know oh you know I want to write this um but ultimately yeah it's it's about prioritization and and thinking about what are the most urgent things I need to do each day I absolutely love your um, blog. It's my it's my go to place if I'm oh. a new book or um, an author to try. I still I still go to it, you know, because I I went to it quite a few times when I first came across your account. I think it was on Twitter. Yeah, um, and yeah, I still absolutely love going in there. And I think it's because they're just the way you write them and the fact that they're quite brief. Um, yeah feel like you're not trying to be or do anything with it in particular it's just very open like oh that's lovely thank you yeah I really I always really enjoy going to it and I was I was recently thinking about trying out um some of Stephen King's work and oh, I straight I away went to your, uh, <laughs> account and yeah I, I just absolutely love reading um about your experiences with um Stephen King <laughs> Oh, about how scared he makes me and how yeah. I had to not read him for about like 25 years. I didn't read a Stephen King book because I just realised I couldn't handle the results. <laughs> yeah, it does, I think it's just so interesting getting someone else, you know, rather than just going to like Amazon book reviews or something, to go to something, to go to your blog. It just feels like a really nice experience. Yeah, and I do try and write my book reviews without spoilers because... Um, I, I really hate spoilers. I really think spoilers are just the worst thing. Um, so I want people to be able to go and read my book reviews and think, oh, you know, I, I really fancy that book, um, but not have any element of, of reading it spoiled for them. Um, it is really interesting because I think with a lot of my, I've been thinking about this since starting the business that my blog and in some respects, you know, my the way I use Twitter and the way I use Instagram um, was almost a bit of a, a reaction, I think, to working for so long for in comms for really big organization for a really big organization, um, and also for um, because I, I wrote book reviews for a newspaper. There's obviously an expectation that you'll write them a certain way, and I think. I just made a really conscious decision with the blog that I wasn't going to write the way you're expected to write book reviews. They're quite um, informal. They're quite um, silly a lot of the time. Um, so I just it really, that was something that I really did just for me. And because I love to write book reviews you know I can work a 12-hour day and then sit down and write a book review as a way of relaxing that's how weird I am um and and it was really a conscious choice that I didn't want to write them in any sort of professional sort of a way um and I and I kind of I've been questioning that recently because I've been thinking oh, do you know, now I've got my own business, do I need to actually, you know, all of these places where people can find me on, online are a bit of a shop window into who I am and if potential clients are, are looking at them, do I need to change the way I approach things like that? So I don't know, I haven't, I haven't reached a conclusion with that, but it's something I've been reflecting on recently. Where are you with your um, novel then that you're that you're that you've set in Orkney? 
Um, so I had some absolutely amazing news about two weeks ago that the opening to the novel was long listed for the um, the Crime Writers Association Debut Dagger Prize, which is a really big. Um, it's just it's really big. I've um, entered it for the last three years with with different books that I've been working on, and it's. Um, it's just wonderful. It's just an absolute dream come true. Um, it's half written at the moment. Um, and the thing <clears throat> with winning the prize is it's, it's absolutely fantastic. But <clears throat> then I have been approached by four literary agents now, which again is absolutely fantastic and wonderful. And I've spent the last three years of my life trying to, to, um, get a literary agent interested in my work so that's you know fantastic for me but now there's quite a lot of pressure and I think you know I'm putting most of that pressure on myself to get the book finished as as quickly as I can essentially so um yeah I'm trying to to write it I'm trying to write about a thousand words a day at the moment. Um, I've set myself a target of of getting a, a reasonably well polished draft together by the end of August. Um, and I am. I mean, it's just it's a wonderful story, and I just hope I'm doing it justice. That's that's yeah. That's what I hope at the moment. When I saw the announcement or your announcement on Twitter about being long listed for this prize, I think I practically jumped out of my chair. Oh, yeah, handled with my usual cool, calm nonchalance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was just amazing. It's just so wonderful when you work so hard for something and you know, if anything is going to prepare you for epic quantities of failure and rejection, it's it's pursuing um, having your book published, you know, there's just been so much of it and that is absolutely par for the course. And I know that my writing has improved a lot over the years, you know, and I'm, I'm grateful for, for everything that's happened that has got me to this point. But then when you finally do have that validation, it just feels so brilliant. Um, yeah. So no, thank you. Where do you go for your creative inspiration? Um, I think, so again, as I was saying, I, I have a lot of ideas all the time. And I think what's important for me is time spent reflecting on all the ideas I, I have. And I think what's really important for me, the, the way I do that is to, to spend time in the outdoors and to spend time walking um I know you're a super fit fell runner and I just I do a little bit of running but I you know I just I find that if I'm if I run I'm just so exhausted I can't concentrate on anything so when I really want to sort of think over an idea or just get my head straight and work out what I want to do next with any kind of creative project I just take myself off and um, as you do I live in the Hope Valley so I've got the most beautiful amazing walks on my doorstep and I just take myself off go on a really long walk ideally um, I like it when it's not great weather um, I, I'm not a massive, I don't love walking in, I mean, you know, I, I love walking in all weathers, but my favourite weather to walk in is sort of wind and rain. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels um, like a, a good way for me to sort of process all my um, 50 million thoughts about about what I should be doing. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of take myself off. I really spend time reflecting. I have been known to talk to myself quite a lot. That's another reason why I like walking in in what most people think of as bad weather because you meet fewer people, <laughs> and it means that my uh, my talking to myself is less likely to be observed. Um, so yeah, and and I think as well. So both of the books that the book that I finished. Um, which is is unpublished and then the books that I'm working on now are both set in Scotland so my first book was set at Loch Ness and this one is is on Orkney um so they're not set around here but they both um and again this is something I, I work with writers on identifying you know the themes that you find yourself returning to again and again in your writing and that's quite often where you'll get a really good idea of what your personal brand is all about so um, the book I wrote previously was set in the present day. The book I'm working on now is set in Stuart Orkney, so in 1593. Um, in lots of ways, it's really, really different, but they're both about um, people who have really strong connections to the landscape that they're living in. And um, there's a lot in there about connection with the natural world and and how that can be quite therapeutic um so it's massively important to me to kind of get out and about and and spend time outdoors and I definitely I'm not sure if that's where I get all my inspiration but it's definitely where where I sort out my inspiration if that makes sense what do you think it is about walking in nature or being outside that maybe like changes your state or what makes it therapeutic do you think i think for me it's it's just slowing down the pace i think um i really and genuinely i i enjoy um working at a really fast pace and i think you know the reason why i absolutely loved um working in media relations for example that's a career that a lot of people just cannot bear because you are constantly juggling so many things and you know um you've got deadline you know i think my um the the fastest media inquiry i ever turned around i got a fully signed off statement back to this guy in seven minutes and you know i'm used to working at that kind of pace and i it, i do thrive on that i really love to to work really fast and to a certain extent i think i thrive off a certain amount of stress but i also think it's really important sometimes to just slow that right down and i think when you're walking you can't really do anything else um especially around here when you're walking up big hills and yeah i think it's just slowing down and and being forced to kind of be alone with your thoughts for a while um which is really important to me and it's it's one of probably I I can't think of another time when I really do that so yeah I think that's why it's so important to me yeah I find that um as well I mean for example yesterday I was just sort of flitting between lots of different things and between my laptop, my phone, doing things around the house. And I felt quite tired at the end of the day, but we planned to go for a walk um, just really locally. 
and I didn't really feel like going out. I felt quite lethargic, you know, I, I felt like I still had things to do. But having made that commitment, it made the world of difference. As soon yeah. as I had my trainers on and I stepped outside and, you know, we're walking up the hill, just talking nonsense. Yeah. It just takes you away. It Absolutely. just takes you a completely different place. And I didn't take my phone with me. Um, but then I was gutted because I wanted to take photos. Yeah. <laughs> so then I borrowed someone else. I borrowed my partner's phone. I think I saw one of the photos you took yesterday. It was amazing. It was such a beautiful evening. You know, it'd been raining all day. And I didn't, I just sort of thought, oh, it's a bit dark and I feel a bit tired. And, but it's like once you're out, it, I, I really noticed that it changes my state. Um, Absolutely. And even if it's just for a few minutes, you know, and sometimes I make the excuse, oh, I can't, go out because it's it'll be cheap for too long or but then it's like well I can just go out for 20 minutes doesn't have yeah. to be a two-hour hike <laughs> yeah no I, I definitely agree with that and I think that the idea of of kind of going out with a friend and and talking nonsense and and setting the world to rights I think um the other good thing about lockdown is I think it's really forced us to think about what we actually value and what are the things that we really miss you know and if I think about the things I've really missed during lockdown um I can probably count them on one hand <laughs> and we we cram our lives <clears throat> full of so much stuff and so many activities and um for me, one of the things that I really did miss um, was being able to go for walks with a really good friend and just talk about everything and, and set the world to rights. And there's nothing like, that's why I love your approach to coaching. I think it's such a brilliant idea um, because there's no better place, is there, to sort of think clearly and um see the world clearly than than on a really good walk with a friend um, exactly yeah i love it and um i always find that the conversation just flows really well and it's almost yeah. there's like some kind of stomping to it yeah <laughs> like you, you know you're like stomping your feet and you there's like this energy around it whereas i think if you're just sitting um, down in a cafe or something there's you know there's noise and there's there's background things happening in distractions whereas generally I think when you know when you're outside especially somewhere like Kinder Scout um you can really you just feel like it's just you and your mate you know just yeah. being able to get into some really meaningful conversations yes yeah absolutely you don't you don't find yourself talking about um, kind of shallow or superficial stuff at all um, I think as well on a walk silence is okay which I think is always really good in conversation because you don't feel the need I think if you're sat across a table from someone you sort of silence feels a bit weird and a bit awkward um, but if you're on a walk you can kind of leave a bit of a silence and you can both sort of gaze off into the distance <laughs> for a little while and then and then I think more kind of true and meaningful thoughts come to you because you're not feeling the need to fill every gap in the conversation yeah you can give the conversation a bit more space um, yes yeah exactly um so what about when you're at home um do you have a creative space that you enjoy being in Yes, I do now. It's so beautiful. Um, so when I um, 
wrote my first book I wrote it at the kitchen table and it was a bit of an issue because um I've got two children um and I could only write when they were both at school and obviously they're never at school <laughs> at the moment um so I sort of had to have a bit of a think about where I was going to work for the business and also for my own writing. And we, we have a really small house, so there weren't a lot of options. And um, decided that I wanted a, a workspace in our, in our bedroom. So our bedroom's up in the attic of the house. And um, my husband made me a desk. And it's just out of kind of bits of old... Um, chipboard and it's it's really lovely because it's chipboard that we originally bought we've made um the children a replica of well replica is probably a bit um a bit much but a, a version of the millennium falcon cockpit <laughs> when we'd first watched um the force awakens and we wanted to be able to to play Star Wars. So we bought all this chipboard and made a Millennium Falcon cockpit with, with lots of switches they could switch and um, they don't play with it anymore, unfortunately. So he sort of recycled that um, wood, made me a desk um, up in our bedroom and I bought myself, the first things I ever bought from the um, business bank account were a, a lovely new lamp and a lovely new chair and it just it feels it it felt quite symbolic and really important to to, to create that space um, and it's it's just a real sanctuary now and I really feel like every time I sit on that chair and sit in that space I feel like I can do this um, yeah, so I'm I'm absolutely in love with with that space. I've had a, a picture blown up to to put on the wall um, in front of my desk as well, which my friend was absolutely horrified because she wrote me this postcard when I finished my first book, which never got published. It got a lot of interest from agents and publishers, but never got taken on. Um, but it just felt like such a milestone for me to have, have actually finished a, a novel. Um, and my friend sent me this postcard that said that her sign off was, um, whatever happens, you're a real writer now. And I just almost get quite emotional <laughs> just saying it. Um, and it was just this teeny weeny little postcard. And I've had that, that sentence blown up really massive and made into a poster for the wall behind my desk. Cause it just, it meant so much to me. Um, that she said that. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, that's now kind of up on the wall and, and gives me my inspiration and reminds me that, you know, even if I'm not getting um, success or, or um, the validation of a, of a publishing deal, that, that writing is, is what matters and that I can do it. Thank you so much for answering all of my questions. Um, I would like to now give you the opportunity to ask our listeners a question. Okay. Um, so I think what would be really interesting to, to think about would be to consider the professional skills and expertise that you've got um, so the things that you're good at, the feel, the things that you feel really confident that you know what you're doing um, with that. And then think about the thing that you love more than anything else in the world and think about um, uh, 
you know, when do you feel happiest? When do you feel most alive? And then if, you know, if you're already combining those two things or if those two things are the same things, then, then that's amazing. Um, but that's kind of what I, I ruminated over for, for very many years was thinking about how I could bring those two things together. So I thought that might be quite interesting for people to have a bit of a think about. I love that. that. I especially that makes sense as a question. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I love, you know, I love the question, what makes you feel alive or what brings you to life? You know, that is, I think that can provide such great insight. Yeah. Because yeah. I think for particularly if you're thinking about starting your own business, it, there can be some pressure to look at what has worked in the past. Um, you know how how do you fit into the marketplace and who are your competitors and all that sort of thing and I think for me it, it was realizing that there probably isn't any that that what I want to do is something quite new and I have quite a unusual set of experiences and skills um given how much of of um you know I've had a really long career doing doing one thing and a successful career doing one thing but also have become increasingly um, immersed in this in this world of creativity and writing um, and it took me quite a long time to think about how I could bring those together and I think it was perhaps part of that was because there wasn't a well-trodden path for me to follow it was it was really a process of me figuring out what that might look like and it being something quite new um so yeah it's just quite an interesting thing to think about how you might bring those things together even if it's not something that already exists excellent so where can people find out more about you and your work Okay, so my um, business website is anacagecoms.co.uk um, and my book review blog, um, if anyone wants to go and have a bit of a look on there, although I apologise there haven't been many recent editions, um, that's called Murder Underground, Broke the Camel's Back. Um, or just, um, I'd love, um, I really love Twitter. So I'm at Anna Cake on Twitter. So it would be really nice if people wanted to say hello. Thanks for listening to About the Adventure. If you'd like to let us know what you think, your feedback is very welcome. Just visit aboutTheAdventure.com. Until next time. <laughs>